Welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on March the 3rd, 2020. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, the prettiest princess, the Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing some games played this week. We will be talking about our February Game Club, slightly late uh, stacking. We'll be discussing or letting you know what the next Game Club game is going to be for the month of March. Bethesda was, quote, surprised how few people wanted to take part in PvP in Fallout 76. GOG expands its refund policy to 30 days. Borderlands 2 update advertising Borderlands 2's <laughs> latest update advertising Borderlands 3 breaks the game. And we will have a weekly discovery queue as long as time allows. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. What's new with you? Uh, well, have a cat coming next week, so got that going for me, which is nice. I have a new supervisor. Yay, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but I'm allergic to cats, which is sad because I love cats. Well, you could always get the one of the you know uh, hairless ones. Yeah. But then that defeats, like, one of the biggest perks of having a cat, which is how soft and, and cuddly they are when when in the, the proper mood. Yeah. When the cat is in the proper mood. Yeah, there was one at the shelter. We, uh, Anita and I, went to the animal shelter. Uh, there was a, a little kitten with long hair that was real cuddly, real loving, uh, demanding of attention, but it was already adopted, so yeah, I can't get that one. Uh, right. There was a bunch of, uh, uh, well, there was a litter of uh, black and white kittens. The all black ones were already long gone. And the couple of the uh, white one or black and white ones, they were still available. But there were like a, a month old, sub two months old. And we talked it over. And whenever you're getting a cat that young... You really don't know what to expect from it because, you know, it hasn't developed its personality yet. It's still, you know, uh, you know feeling out, you know, how catty the cat's going to be, right? Yeah. So we decided, you know, our cutoff was probably be about two or three months. And uh, there was a couple cats that were a couple that were uh, uh, like three or four years old, which were all right. But they didn't seem really interested in us, so yeah, we we'll left them. Which left uh, the younger cats. And uh, one after she woke up and got over her broodiness, she's about six months old, so that puts her, you know, prime teenager material, right? Yep. She'll uh, be fun. Uh, she Teenage cat. Yeah, she decided, you know what? We're tolerable. So we're going to get a cat named Sunshine. Which, she's sweet when she wants to be. You know, very cat-like, right? But mellow at all other times. So hopefully avoided the, you know, the kitten zoomies. So yeah. she needs to get fixed. And then we'll have her likely uh, either late this week or early next. So I'm not sure if there'll be a cat meowing in the background uh, for the next episode. But we'll see. Yeah, within, I'm like, I'm 
proper allergic within like a couple hours. I'm, I can't breathe really. Mm -hmm. And I, I get itchy and more than a day and I get a sinus infection. It's very sad. Well, they have plenty of dogs. Yeah. We're, we're looking into getting a dog soon. We want to get a, a fence. We want a fence in our backyard before we do, but we might just wind up getting the dog first and a uh, small or big to, dog. Uh, kind of medium size, like a 30, 25, 30 pound dog. I want a small dog. I'm a, I'm a small dog person. Now he's a bigger dog. Now, person. now, now, are we talking about small dog as in where it starts, you know, going towards more rat territory? No, not quite. Or, or I mean, dachshunds are okay. my favorite dog breed of all time. Oh, the long dog. I'm okay with like a, a Yorkie. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like tiny, but in a good way. I'm not a big fan of like a Chihuahua or a pug. No, um, no pug. I'm, I'm, I'm not into dogs like yeah, that. Yeah, pugs to me. I, I had a, a pug growing up. Uh, well, it was my mom's, but uh, she died because she caught a cold and just suffocated. Because pugs have severe breathing problems. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we just found her and she was, you know, gone. And, you know, found out that, you know, it was a cold. Uh, yeah, you know, dogs that have the the stub nose, uh, that just feels so damn cruel. Yeah. The, the dog, the breeds that have severe genetic problems because they're, they've been inbred so much. Just what the fuck, right? Yep. People value or have valued very specific traits in the past and have ruined an entire, you know, quote, breed of dog to get that trait. I mean, to be fair, dachshunds do have their problem as well. Yeah, they they have back problems if they get too fat Mm -hmm. and then get older. Yeah, yeah, you need to keep it hot dog, not kielbasa. <laughs> Indeed. But yeah, I'm I'm a small, smaller dog kind of person. You know, fifteen pounds is like a, a like a max yeah, size I guess for I'm, my like preference. I guess I'm bordering towards more medium size, even though I've had both large and small dogs. I remember having a basset uh, at one point. Uh, but she was far too clever for her own good. Had a beagle. Uh, had a Pomeranian, which, well, a lot of these were my, either my mom's or... Uh, my mom absolutely loved her Great Danes, which is like the opposite end of the scale. That That's getting more towards horse. Yeah. Matter of fact, I rode a Great Dane when I was little, accidentally, around the living room. <laughs> But unfortunately, I didn't hold on for the entire uh, six seconds. But I'm sh- fucking. Is that was that you play? You fucking piece of shit! I've been sitting here staring. I've had like a tiny amount of packet loss for a little bit, and higher, like a higher ping than normal. And I'm like, what do I have open on my computer that's not normally open? And I open Task Manager and fucking you play. I close it, everything's back to normal. Uh, Ubisoft, you incompetent piece of shit. I don't know what it was doing in the background. Probably downloading some shit or monitoring my every move. Fuck you, you play. Uh, 
judging you silently. I'll be talking about a couple of Ubisoft games in the next few weeks because I've recently got back on the Anno. Uh, I've gotten back into Anno. Um, and I got the Division 2. Is it still on sale? It was on sale for like three bucks as like a promotion for their new expansion. Yeah, well, where I had problems with the original Division, I didn't even bother with it. Yeah. From what I've played so far, I like it, but I mean, I've barely scratched the surface on the game, just like a couple hours, so. But that's a good segue to actually talk about the one game I'm going to discuss this week. I think I mentioned last week that I had like seven games to dis- that I could talk about, talk about and bring up. Yeah, me, we I focus just ending on stacking and honestly just uh, you know sorting out some stuff and getting the kitchen uh, a little bit more sorted. Uh, I did uh, uh, get a uh, new shelf that I have to put together. And hey, uh, my hand's almost healed from where the last one bit me. Good job. <laughs> Way to go, your body. It's doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah, unlike yours. Yeah, my body is broken. But yeah, Battlestar Galactica Deadlock. Uh, I played that a couple of weeks ago. Um, maybe three weeks ago now. And beat the main game. I, I should say, I, I only have the base game. There's a number of DLCs out for it. Um, there's a Season 1, which has got four DLCs, and a Season 2, which currently has two DLCs in it. Um, and I believe three of the Season 1 DLCs are like actual game additions. Like One of them adds a game mode, um, and then the other two, two of the other ones are um, additional story stuff and then one of them is just like a ship pack um but all i have played is the base game so for people familiar with battlestar galactica or have seen the shows although in particular the newer show from the mid 2000s and then by extension the mini movie um was it called it Raven's was Crest or Raven's Fall? Oh, oh! I thought you were going the miniseries before that, but no. No, there was there was um, I think it's called Raven's Fall. It's like it takes a look. So in in Battlestar Galactica, there's another uh, Battlestar that shows up in season. I believe it's three. It might be towards the end of season two. The Pegasus, um, and the mini movie takes a look at the Pegasus. It's like ninety minutes, um. And how the Pegasus got to where it was, and then it has some flashback stuff to the first Cylon War. Um, so, but this game has got several characters that are present in the show um, in their younger forms, and it's it's a look at the first Cylon War, um, which takes place approximately thirty five to forty years before the events of the the TV show. Um, and it's a time when the colonial fleet was not absolutely wiped out in a surprise attack. And there's a, a huge war that breaks out between the Cylons and the 12 colonies of Earth. Um, the general history of that is humans create AI and uh, artificial life forms. And they don't, the artificial life forms don't like being slaves. Uh, and so they rebel. And this takes place kind of in the it doesn't really give you like an exact timeline the the game just basically says like well it's sort of like in the middle part of the war you know it's basically we're in a deadlock um which is hey. the name Battlestar Galactica, Galactica deadlock 
um, of, you know, conflict with no clear winner. There's, you know, clear victories sometimes in battle, but it kind of the political landscape and the sort of borders shift back and forth and there's no real clear winner. The story place takes place across 14 or no 13 campaign missions and in sort of this kind of traditional uh, tactical type over or strategic map as you go through the various um, missions you unlock more and more of the game's uh, ship roster and uh, features essentially and if you've ever played like um, god there's a, a number of these games that my brain is just sort of like Battletech uh, yeah yeah as you go through the through the campaign you unlock more stuff more specific uh ships and ship types and uh ruse ruse is the one that i'm thinking of specifically which was a world war ii yeah i uh, have that i never got around to playing it actually ruse kind of does this as well and i i know there's a couple others my brain is just failing me i'm very tired i've had a couple of long days at work so my apologies for that but in essence um the game is a uh plays out in two parts you've got the strategic map which is broken up into the various colonies and then a few other planets that are part of the quadrinary star system that makes up um, the sort of the universe of, of Battlestar. Um, and then the tactical fleet battles where that you actually take control of the fleet. Uh, anyone who has either played this game previously or seen older reviews of it uh, the issues, pretty much all of the issues that have been discussed in previous or in the initial reviews of this game have been fixed. Um, initially, you could only, for example, issue commands to one ship at a time. Controlling all of your fighters was a mess, but you can now multiple select. You can either just do band boxing. You can create groups. You can um, select individual ships still. There's a big menu on the left side, and you can basically shift click and get as many of them as you want. Um, but it plays- uh, yeah, there's an error on their uh, on the Battlestar Galactica Deadlock uh, Steam page. There's an error, you said. Yeah. Where? Yeah, the, yeah, it says their publisher. It's not Paradox with all this DLC. I was making a joke. Oh, okay. You're far too sleep addled. I was saying they're getting to Paradox levels of DLC on this. Gotcha. Um. But anyways, and the the fleet battles play out in this sort of real-time turn-based combination. Um, essentially, you select all of the movements for your fleet, issue basic move orders, attack commands, launching special munitions, fighters, etc. Um, and then you hit play, and something like five or six seconds plays out in real time. And it's then, the first synapse model. Yeah, and then the game pauses. Or it's a simultaneous uh, turn-based where uh, you have a planning mode and you plan out X amount of time. Yeah, exactly. Um, But with this being in three or four-dimensional space, three-dimensional space, up, down, left, right, uh, Uh, Well, well, I don't know. Time technically is a dimension, but not in that sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is a space game verticality actually is important that you're not fighting on just like a 2d plane yeah it's not space as an ocean yeah 
It's it's space is space. And that allows you to do a lot of interesting things because ships have different gun placements. So, you know, you have sort of your standard broadside front and back, but there's also dorsal inventory weapons and certain ships are more powerful if, if you can get underneath an enemy, certain ships more powerful you can get above them. Um, you can use evasive maneuvers. Um, all it, That's not like a specific command. All ships have got sort of a range of movement. And whenever you click on a ship or a group of ships and go to move them, you can see it's, it's just represented as sort of a ghost image. Um, what that ghost damage doesn't show you, though, is that if you do some pretty hardcore turns or pretty severely yaw the ship, a lot of times it will roll, and you can actually utilize that to fire um, either a ship's dorsal or ventral guns at an enemy that they wouldn't normally be able to target. So battle stars, all of the battle stars are, well, the two different types of battle stars that exist in the game, two different uh, ship classes of them, have extremely powerful dorsal guns those dorsals top i think um have extremely powerful uh weapons mounted on the top of the ship i'll just say that um and you can but they can't they don't have a good firing arc um if you're trying to fire broadside or attack forward so you can do sort of an evasive uh maneuver get the ship to roll and then you can bring those guns to bear for a couple of turns before it sort of writes itself um so you can do lots of neat things like that with the fleet tactics. On top of that, um, every ship feels like it has a place throughout the entirety of the game. Um, there's In the base game, there's something like 10 different classes of capital ship, all the way from a very fast, small, light corvette up to the battle stars and the fleet carriers, which are massive, slow ships with a lot of firepower. And then the battle stars um, have sort of everything, and the fleet carriers have got a large amount of fighters that they carry, but sort of weaker guns. Um, but every ship feels like it has a place, even into the late game. The Corvette uh, has got one of the best sensor ranges, so it makes an excellent scout ship throughout the entirety of the game. Um, it, you can Later on, you can equip it with nuclear missiles, so it can become like a quick hit-and-run strike craft. Uh, and it's in groupings, sort of like wolf pack groups of three or four. They can attack and take down much larger ship types in them, including enemy gunships and base stars. Um, and then beyond that, every other ship feels like it has a niche. You've got sort of a light carrier um, that also works as a pretty de decent like ship of the line. It's it's called the Adamant Frigate. You've got a cruiser which focuses on special munitions and it has like a bonus to how quickly it can fire torpedoes or missiles. There's like a straight up gunship that is meant to be like your um, shield and, and sort of primary damage dealer. Um, for a smaller fleet, there's the Battle Stars, which double as both battleships and carriers. Um, there are uh, there's the fleet carriers, which can carry two squads of Vipers and then one squad of a support fighter, uh, Raptors, and I can't remember what the other one is for the life of me. But there there's two various support fighters that that do drastically different things. It can play into battles in different ways. Um, and so on. Like every ship genuinely feels like it, it fills a role and can be utilized effectively in a fleet strategy. Um, I did I did find that the game kind of gets bogged down in the mid middle part. Um, once you get to around mission seven or eight, um, the Cylons really ramp up how much they're attacking you, and you can 
kind of you have to pick and choose. Like if you want to sort of secure support from the 12 colonies, which is a mechanic I'll talk about in a second, then you have to build a lot of fleets and spend a lot of time every turn fighting every Cylon fleet that comes in. If you want to try and push through and, and complete the story, then you only focus on one or two fleets, but then everybody hates you because you're not defending them. Um, and the, the battles get exponentially harder, and without the support of the colonies, it's hard to keep up. So there's this sort of... Um, uh, there's a mechanic with the 12 colonies where that you have to defend them from Cylon fleets. So if a Cylon fleet is parked in orbit, or wins battles, or destroys sort of secondary targets that pop up as like random missions that you uh, can undertake for bonus resources, you start to lose support from the colonies. And if too many colonies drop out, then you lose overall support. You get no more resources. It's not specifically a fail state. You can bring the colonies back into support if you um, secure their worlds. But with no resources, it becomes impossible to repair your ships and uh, to re resupply and build new ships. So uh, it's that that can be a tough thing to manage. I never got below six colonies. Um, I chose to go sort of the slog route in the middle of the game and got six or seven really powerful fleets. And I figured out where all the Cylons were coming from. So like eventually the campaign is like, hey, there's a big Cylon... Uh, factory world over here. Go blow it up. But I figured out where they were coming from really early on and essentially locked down the only route they have to get in to the 12 colonies. But still, every turn I was having to do like five or six battles. It it got to be a real slog. Um, so it took me about 25 hours to beat the campaign in, a, in one go. I think if I went and did it again, I could probably get through it in 18 to 20 hours. I could do it with fewer fleets now that I understand the mechanics and the ship rolls better. But, I mean, overall, I really enjoyed it. I love um, it, how it makes you play smart, how there's a lot of variety uh, of strategies that you can employ based on your fleet composition. Um, I love the Battlestar Galactica universe. The theme makes this game a lot better. It's still a good game to play, but if you're not a big fan of Battlestar Galactica, that loses some of the appeal. It has this really cool replay um, after every battle that you do, where that it uses like an auto or an AI uh, camera and director that makes the battles look like they did in the show. And I mean, every battle, when you play it out in re real time, is usually about three to five minutes. And that's very cool to watch. It does kind of get old, honestly, after you, like to watch it after every battle. But you have one that's like a real nail biter, biter and you're like, oh shit, I want to I wanna watch that, like how it would play out in the show. That is a very cool feature. But if you don't have the investment in the property itself, it kind of loses some of the extra appeal that it gives the game. Overall, though, I mean, even without that, it's a very solid strategy game um, with some more unique mechanics I, I won't say that this doesn't exist in other games and this studio specifically had has another game that they made before Battlestar Galactica Deadlock that utilizes these same mechanics just without as good of a um, sort of a theme around it but other other types of this game exist but I haven't seen one done as well as this for a, a spaceship combat game so it's it's solid on its own um, I think the base game is definitely worth buying, picking it up on sale 
um, if you're a fan of the series. It's regularly on sale for just a few dollars. It's like $40 to, to buy it right now, but it was just recently on sale for, I think it was $5 or it might've been 10. Um, they had, uh, when the most recent DLC released the whole thing, the whole series was on sale. So if you've never checked it out, I think it's worth it. I do intend to get the DLC the next time that goes on a really good sale. Uh, season one, the, the season one bundle was like 20 something dollars. It wasn't that great of a deal. It's been cheaper on steam sales. <clears throat> so probably in the, definitely by the summer sale, um, if they do like a spring type sale, I might pick it up then, uh, Steam does, that is, but uh, otherwise on the summer sale, I'll probably pick up the DLC to play through it again. One of the DLCs adds a mode that's kind of like the show, you're a fleet that, that gets stranded and you have to make your way through an entire campaign with just the your resources at hand and sort of keep your your fleet limping along until you can complete it. I really like the idea of that. Um, and then, like I said, a couple of the other DLCs add a bunch of, of missions and additional story content to the game that, uh, builds on the lore of the universe. So I thoroughly enjoyed and recommend this game to anyone who likes Battlestar Galactica or turn-based combat or really cool spaceship games. Two thumbs up. Or just nuking the fuck out of some AI, right? Yeah, that too. Fire the torpedoes. I am mean, they tired. But I am they tired. <laughs> I mean, it is pretty. It is pretty cool to watch in the replay mode. Like, I don't know, 150 torpedoes streaking from half a dozen ships towards a big ass base star, and you're like, oh yeah, that thing's about to get wrecked. I mean, if memory serves correctly, they actually reproduced the uh, show's aesthetic uh, for the camera really well. So, oh yes, it's amazing. Um, you can there's whole YouTube channels that I've seen dedicated to making really cool looking battles, specifically using that uh, AI director. It's cool. So. Um, moving on from that, though, let's go talk about another game, which is the February Game Club. Um, we tackled this one a week later just because, uh, a couple well, of weeks, we I, had a couple. Yeah, I moved, so that, yeah, robbed me of some time and just, yeah, right. Yeah. It, it, we thought it was, go- uh, well, to be fair, didn't go into February expecting me to move. That kind of happened mm. uh, pretty quickly, so, uh. But the thing is that, yep, with everything, just it was best to take a little bit of extra time and not have to try to rush through it. And well, here we are. And we're and should we just go ahead and say that the next game club is also going to be late to give it proper time? Yeah, we're going to push the next game club uh, out one one week into April. Yeah, um, that and way then we get can back have... on the regular schedule in April. Yeah, because April's game is another one that's relatively short, so shouldn't have any issues with it. Um, But yeah, in case you have, uh, this is your first episode with us, or your first game club with us. We're sorry. (laughs) What game club is, is that Rage and I oftentimes play very different games, um, and even if we play the same game, it's usually not at the same time. Game club is a way for us to play the same game at the same time, and then talk about it. Um, so for February, we played Stacking, 
which is a Double Fine game released in, I believe, 2011 or 2012. Uh, it was released in uh, February 8th, 2011. So we were doing it on the well, ninth anniversary. Yep, that uh, was... Or, or a little over the ninth anniversary. That was totally 100% planned out. That wasn't an accident at all. No siree. I don't think you're very convincing. You're right, I'm not. Um, This game... I have uh, played it, it, it... It's a double fine game. Uh, yeah. In both the positive and the negative uh, aspects of it. Overall, I found it more frustrating than fun. Um, what stacking is, is that you play... It's it's Russian stacking dolls. And you play a teeny tiny little kid Russian stacking doll whose family uh, basically is, is captured away from him. And you go on an adventure to save them. And you solve various puzzles by possessing... Like, you jump inside of a, a slightly larger stacking doll than you and so on and so forth you know you can stack multiple dolls to get each different uh, sizes and there's both unique dolls that are just one in that uh, area that has a very special ability or there's also kind of generic ones that also have different abilities and in order to get uh, to a larger doll you have to have an intermediary doll so uh, Charlie your playable character uh, let's call him just size zero. In order to possess a size uh, three, you have to get a size one and a size two and stack them on top of one another in order to take over the size three one. And that can be a little frustrating, especially if you know the solution, but there's uh, very limited of uh, the intermediary sizes to just have to go around and try to hunt them down. I found that very annoying, actually. Yeah. Um, hunting down dolls, hunting down sometimes specific dolls, or like you said, sometimes areas, it's like, okay, I know exactly how to solve this puzzle, but I can't either can't find like the specific doll to solve it, or I can't find the correct size. All, I should say the specific doll. There are multiple ways to solve every puzzle in the game, except for the final one. Uh, I would say the final two areas, because... Uh, there's one, well, it ha- it's across, what was it, five worlds, four or five uh, levels? Uh, yeah, there's the train station, which... It's kind of the solve, hub world. Yeah, and you have to solve multiple puzzles in that one as you progress through. There's the cruise ship, there's the airship, and then there's the big train, um, which is yeah. like the final, quote, level, and then you have whatever that boss arena, arena is. thing is yeah yeah which technically could be a level the final one the boss arena it ha- it kind of throws a lot of the premises of the game out the window and it makes it so that the multiple uh solutions and finding fun ways to do it nope nope gotta do it exactly how we say nope 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 uh the, and even on the train tank thing there's a couple areas that you have to do in a very specific way, and there's a hell of a lot of backtracking, and it felt more like padding. And whenever I say this is a double fine game, I say that in that it's a very interesting premise. It has some neat ideas, but 
it's simultaneously very short, but also overstays its welcome. In that, yes, it's kind of cool what they were doing with it, but at the same time, they didn't really expand on that until the last area, and the last area was clunky as fuck. What they introduced was the combo ability, where having two dolls that had complementary abilities, stacking on top of one another, using one, then unstacking and using the other, uh, did something different. Like, they showed it off uh, with a ice sculpture, actually. So, having a one that did a freezing ability and one that has water, it allowed them to make ice to uh, redo this ice sculpture, if I recall correctly. Yeah, that's how they are, like... Or how they show it off. Yeah, uh, but yeah, but it's just done so clunkily because the game is uh, not very precise in what it does. And whenever there's a, a area that requires precision, let's pick one almost at random. How about the Balsarita where you had to extinguish those flames uh, with the one of the Blackmores, uh, the Charlie's family, and you had to do it in uh, three times, and it. It took me quite a while to, well, a lot longer than it needed to, to do that because I would just, it would latch onto the wrong one. And it was a very small, small window of time to be able to do the combo ability to get to the Baron, the big bad, uh, to make him destack. It just frustrated me. Yeah. I was ready for the game to be over. Before we even got to the final level, to be perfectly honest, I agree. the The whole game takes if you just play through to complete the story, you get through it in between two and three hours. Um, there are, like we said, there's multiple ways to solve the different puzzles. If you wanted to go for like a hundred percent completion run on all of those and finding all the unique things and everything. For me personally, that's probably like eight hours of time spent. Yeah, but that's also another double fun thing where a lot of the side stuff is very, feels just like padding and doesn't really add to anything. Finding all the individual uh, unique dolls, neat, but doesn't really add anything. Uh, finding all the different solutions doesn't really add anything outside of your, you know, to your hot, secret hideout. Yeah. There's it these just, things they have called hijinks, which, very, which not doesn't go for just the special, unique uh, dolls. You know, there's like a, 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 a kid that farts, and it's like yeah. you fart on ten people or whatever, and you get, you know, a, a, a hijink like metal, and then the thing that shows up at your secret hideout, which I do think that secret hideout is pretty cool. Um, there's yeah, this there was hobo. another one that 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 was a photographer. If you take photos of enough. Uh, uh, different dolls you got uh, a hijink done uh crashing the bike somehow uh, get, gives you a hijink which i didn't really figure it out crashing the bike on the cruise ship yeah i did I, that i didn't figure it out that's I, how i solved I, the safari puzzle i see i didn't i didn't crash the bike i just i uh, used the cannon because the cannon was the obvious one i, I, I was already to that point where you know, I'm pretty much ready for this to be done. Let's just do this as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yeah, I, I crashed the bike. There's like the big, um, I don't know, like diorama or, or not diorama, but like the painting for this, the scenery. 
and like uh-huh. you push it over and then the bike crashes through it but if you jump on the bike and crash through it yourself you get the hijink for crashing the bike ah uh, okay but, um, but yeah it's just it's kind of weird there's a lot here but I think it's just the fact that it's there's a lot here but there's not much of substance for the actual story or really well you were talking before we started recording how it felt like there wasn't really a theme to it even though it they started to go down a kind of a family working together or underdog story but they never really committed to it yeah this game is set i would say roughly in like the middle of the 19th century i, I would um, say uh early uh uh well i would say early 20th century just with the all the coal fire, all these kind of steampunk, but also the child labor. Yeah, I mean it's it's set somewhere in the industrial era of industrial uh, revolution. Yeah, and you play a family of chimney sweeps. Or well, you play Charlie, who is the kid, the smallest child in a family of chimney sweeps. Um, and I, it, the game just doesn't like. Anyone who's listened to me talk about these before, like, I will find interesting themes and threads and pull on them and discuss them in part of this. And there's been several where you were like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Like, just because of the way that I kind of approach it. But I Yeah, like, Donut probably, County was a good example of that, actually. Yeah. But I, I spent probably an hour really, like, sitting and thinking, like, or, like, laying in bed, like, before, you know, I fell asleep or something for the last few days. Like, uh, Charking off slightly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm basically always jerking off. But anyways, you know, laying in bed thinking about it, like, you know, what was like the theme of this? What was the meaning? And it's like child labor equals bad. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's pretty obvious. But we know that we're well beyond that point in history. And it's so prominent for so long. It doesn't feel like that's sort of just an undercurrent of the era. And it's like, well, pollution is bad. I mean, we know that. We get that. That was, you know, and that, I don't know if you really spent much time talking to a lot of the uh, industrial type characters, but they're uh, all like, oh, yes, the government can't tell me not to pollute. Yeah. I mean, just kind of over the top, huh? Yeah, but it, but again, it's like, well, that doesn't really feel like much of a theme or much of a point to the game itself. And then towards the end, like, you get this thing where it's like, once you free all of your family members on the the train at the end in order to sort of solve that that level the final puzzle it's like we all have to work together as a family and so you stack your entire family together and then each of them uses their ability to like get to sort of the next part um, i mean that was kind of neat but then they kind of threw it out with the next uh, ball serena which yeah, which that it would make sense if they continued that and you just used your family members to solve the puzzle, but you had to use the other um, dolls in the area kind of in combination with your family members, one or multiple family members, depending on what the puzzle was. And it's like okay, I mean this is just the rest of the puzzle solving mechanics, but now you have your family members. Uh, and they throw out the fact that there's multiple solutions, and now it's just this yeah very linear uh puzzle solving uh and the fact that uh oh, that final boss battle with the rock paper scissors what the fuck yeah i was like is this rock paper scissors it is 
Oh, okay. I, and if you would only have to do it one time or maybe twice, that would be okay. But you have to beat him four times. And you can't lose, because even if he knocks you into the pit, all of the little orphan kids are like, it's okay, Charlie, go get him. I don't think you can lose. And then after you throw him in the pit four times, those kids eat, eat him? I think they eat him. Like, he disappears, yeah. and all that's left is his hat. Well, you have heard the phrase, eat the rich. That is true. That is true. That's another thing that I thought, like, you know, is this game is this game trying to say something about wealth inequality? And maybe, but if it is, it doesn't, just like everything else, it doesn't do a good job really promoting it or making that a central theme. And then you mentioned, like, the underdog story. As, like, the little kid, you're kind of always the underdog throughout the whole game, but it doesn't do anything to really play that up. You get sort of a classic, like, cartoonish bad guy, like, he's just a kid, how did you let him beat you? And then that's it. They don't really seem to care that you're a kid anymore after that one moment. So, yeah, then yeah, then they put all, all the posters of you, you know, like, instantaneously. Yeah. But the, it doesn't really matter because you can just immediately stack to a size one doll and just walk right past everyone. Yeah. I just, I mean, games don't have to have, like, these grand meanings. But this game feels like it's trying to say something and it just doesn't. Or maybe it gets distracted by trying to say too many things and it does a bad job delivering on anything. I mean, you know, like you said, it's a neat idea that is poorly executed and doesn't go deep enough. Also known as a double fun game. And we're bitching a lot. I didn't hate this game. Like, if I was going to, like, give it, like, a grade, kind of like I did when I was talking about the movies last week, it's it's like a solid, like, C. I, I would C give minus. it a, a solid meh. Yeah, I mean, it's not, like... A broken game. I had a weird technical issue that I don't know why. I think it just maybe didn't like part of my hardware. I, I think it's. Or something. I think it's just the fact also that it's old. Or that it's old, yeah. Uh, because it defaulted to something between 720p and uh, 1080p for me, but I didn't have an uh, issue going full screen 1080p. You did though. Yeah, mine defaulted to 720p, um, and it would lock up every time I tried to change it to 1080p and crash and after a couple of attempts i was like you know what screw it i'll just play it in 720p it's fine the game itself looks good because they they made the right choice of of going with a an interesting art style so it holds up even though it's quite old um, everything is very cutesy you get this kind of steampunky aesthetic to a lot of stuff but they're dolls and a lot of them are kind of you know cartoonish and cute um or, you know, funny. So it, it all works. Um, and then they do this neat the effect. I mean, it basically it's just sort of a little bit of a film grain and sepia with... Um, ah, shit. What's the black border around? Uh, I don't know the technical term for it. I mean, it's it looks a little... It, you know, it makes it look like an old-timey movie. And that's nice. I mean, you can turn it off if you don't like it. I, I played the game a little bit with it on and a little bit with it off to compare. I prefer it with the film grain effect on. I think it really helps the aesthetic. Uh, especially the since uh, it kind of plays out almost like an old silent movie. Yeah, vignette. I didn't look it up. Like, it just popped into my head, but that's what that is. The vignette. Um, mm. Which is like, there's there's it's a circle and there's black around the edge of the circle. 
I guess it's more of an oval since it's a widescreen game. Yeah. Right? Yeah, which uh, which uh, in the uh, cutscenes, the uh, it does feel like a, a, almost a Charlie Chaplin esque movie. Yeah, because there's no spoken dialogue, and then you get this really charming um, soundtrack that feels very nineteen mm-hmm. teens, nineteen twenties. And then you you know you read the story like there's a little bit of action that it'll pop up whatever the characters were saying. That's cool. I like that. It feels like a play at times because there's certain things that have a very cardboardy aesthetic to it and they the the levels, you know, it feels kind of like um a high school set design and they made a bunch of stuff out of cardboard because they couldn't afford, you know, wood or whatever. Yeah. Well, uh, well also a lot of the world is built around just like everyday objects, you know, playing cards, uh, push pins, that sort of thing. Yeah. Which makes Which it almost feel cool. a little dystopian as well. You know, kind of a discarded uh, humanity. Yeah. I didn't think of it that way. Or almost, uh, you know, a Toy Story ask you know, what ha- what happens behind the scenes. But, you know, once again, it's kind of uh, thrown away. You know, they don't really want to commit to any theme or anything. They just, you know, eh. I mean, to be fair, once again, this was 2011, you know, nine years ago. Oh, fuck, it was nine years ago. I think with that time in indie games, too, like, just having, like, an interesting, cute aesthetic Mm -hmm. and a unique mechanic or two was enough. Um, Yeah, yeah, maybe this is the the Half-Life issue, where uh, it was interesting and uh, maybe even groundbreaking for its time. But looking at it from the lens of today, back through uh, a very, very rich indie scene now, it seems kind of meh. Yeah. It hasn't held up under scrutiny, I, I suppose, is the way to, to to say that. I mean, like I said, it's it's not bad. It's not great, but it's not yeah, bad. Yeah. Yeah, I would say it's not good, but it's not bad. It's meh. It's certainly got some charm to it. And if that charm hooks you a lot more than it did us, it might be a completely different experience for you. I would say do not play it straight through. Break it up into the levels. Uh, Every time you go back to the train station, take a break from it because it gets very repetitive because, like I said, up until that last, I would say, what, half an hour? It's essentially the same mechanic over and over again. Yeah, I actually did it in three sittings. Um, I did through the cruise ship level. And then I did the um, airship. And then the bits on the train station in between. And then that final level and the final boss fight I did as one sitting. Yeah, for me, I did it pretty much all in one sitting. I had a break for dinner, but that was about it. But even then, that was, you know, just a short break. Yeah. I feel like I'm missing something, like, on the levels. I mean, it doesn't really matter all that much, but I just just feel like I'm missing something when I talk about it. Yeah, I think that there's a level we're forgetting. Cruise ship, 
the airship. Maybe it's just the fact that the train station gets used several times. Yeah, uh, that's th- it. Yeah, th- that's. Yeah, and there was a couple times that the objective of a puzzle wasn't very clear, like uh, whenever he had to sort the lines. Yeah, uh, on one of the returns, they just said sort of by size. Okay, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. That was the one puzzle I did look up, and then I did all the different uh, solutions, and none of them felt really good. I didn't look it up. What I did was I just took and separated each of the sizes into their own lines. And I guess once I had done enough of that, it gave it to me, because I didn't finish, but it was like, ah, yes, the lines are perfect. You can come get your ticket now. Yeah, what it was was the t- biggest had to go in the middle, then the next smallest go in the tube beside that, and the smallest go in the outside lines. What was kind of funny was there was one that if you farted on them or punched them, I can't remember which. There was one that if you farted in the area, it would it would get it would clear the area, and then you could use one of the union guys to organize. That was kind of cute. Oh, that's nice. Uh, but then there was one that if you punched them, they would stop dicking around and go to the proper line. Well. But that that does kind of show you the difference in uh, uh, design philosophy for the different uh, uh, for the different well, you know, solutions. There's the manual, there's uh, using the game mechanics for, you know, how they're, you know, uh, kind of creatively, and then there's just yeah, brute force. Yeah, because I mean, those are those are creative. A couple of creative solutions to that problem, or you can just manually sort everyone into the lines, and it's equally as valid. Which I do like. I think that's nice. I liked the different ways that you could solve on the cruise ship the the maps. Yeah, it's like you can go wash the maps off of the wall, or you can get the kid that's seasick and have him puke on the wall. Yeah, I just wash the maps and. Uh... Uh, was done with it but there's also a dlc for it yeah i didn't bother with it yeah i didn't either yeah pretty much by the time i was done with the main story i was done with the game i just i I really didn't want to play anymore yeah i finished the the boss fight and then immediately uninstalled it i didn't immediately uninstall but well i mean i watched the the ending stuff and then i uninstalled it Free up that valuable space. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, kind of like we were saying earlier, it's okay. If you find it charming, um, then sure, pick it up and enjoy it. But if you don't, I'm not sure I could really recommend this at this point. There's just so many indie games that have come since that have done it better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's fair to say. that This, this game hasn't held up well. It just... Has it done anything that's really able to say that, eh, you know, this is worth going out of your way for? Yeah. I think this is the worst one we've done this year. Yes, it is. <laughs> but we've only done two this year so far. So, you know. Although I have to say, if this winds up being the worst one we do all year, it'll be a pretty good year. True. I'll take a year that has a meh over some of the things we've played the last couple years. Indeed. Yeah, fucking Battletech, right? 
Yeah, fuck that piece of shit. It's hot garbage. Who would play that for... Hold, please. Uh, Try and decode the scientific notation. Uh, No, I have to find it in my... It's it's mixed up. Here we go, Battletech. Yeah, what kind of asshole would play that game for 629 hours? Someone that needs to play it for just a few more hours and never touch it again? Someone who needs to play it, yeah. <laughs> Get it up to 666 for Satan. Yeah. What's kind of so, funny is the church near me doesn't seem to believe in leap days, though. They're sounding still wrong. Just knowing that one out there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, is there really anything more to say about stacking at this point? Nope. I was about to remind everyone what the game club for March is, which is Outer Worlds. Yeah, which is the reason why we're pushing the game club back back a week to give it proper time. And the reason why it was a March game to begin with was that it was going to be a long month. Yep, March has uh, five Tuesdays in it, so we were going to have five weeks to play Outer Worlds. Um, and we're still going to give ourselves five weeks to play Outer Worlds. We are going to discuss it as long as nothing happens on April 7th. Yeah, and let's go ahead and throw out the April Game Club, and uh, we'll have to figure out the May one, because we have a hole in our schedule. Uh, yeah. We're going back to the Fault series and going to Fault Milestone 2, another visual novel. Looking uh, forward to that. Big fan of the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It is a shorter visual novel, so that's the reason why that's there. They yep. Give us a break after something major like uh, the Outer Worlds. Yes, sir. Gonna kick back in my recliner and play that one on the uh, my Media Center PC. Yeah, I think I'm gonna get the Steam Link up and running and play it in the living room. Maybe we'll see. Because I have all the pieces together for it again. There you go. It uh, some of the. Uh, uh, AC adapter was kind of put in the wrong box. So, you know, that was fun to find. But you did. Problem solved. But Bethesda's problem with Fallout 76 something, I don't know, I tried, fuck it. Um, Bethesda was, quote, surprised how few people wanted to take part in PvP, end quote, in Fallout 76. There's honestly uh, not... Bethesda, right? Yeah. There's honestly not a lot here other than, oh, Bethesda. You idiots. Well, well here's the thing I don't get. Uh, we're obviously in news now. Uh, we're finished up with the game club. Right. Uh, Bethesda doesn't seem to know what they want to do with Fallout 76 at all. They wanted to make a Fallout game, then took out all the things that made Fallout. They wanted to make a survival game, but then put the survival aspects in it. They wanted to make an online game, but then they did their usual fuckery and have it be completely broken if you know how to, uh, you know, how to get to the dev room. The fact that they put that they put in the dev room like they have in every single other one of their games, where it I has know. all the items and people were able to break into it, you idiots! 
I mean, I know exactly what they're doing with it, but what they're doing has led to them having no clear vision for the game. They just want money. They want to chase that that live service holy grail, and in doing so, they keep following trad trads, uh, trends, trends and fads. Yeah, trends and fads around to try and do whatever's going to make them. Yeah, the you most can't money. just com- yeah, you just can't be cool and just combine two words to, and make it tra- trads. I could. That's called a portmanteau. When you combine uh, it words. Thank you. Um, but and what they've done is ignore up until potentially you know what is it April something when that update is supposed to release that yeah makes let's Fallout be seventy six yeah. almost a Fallout game. Yeah, let's be honest. It's going to break the game even more. I yeah. have. I, the only thing I look forward to for this update. Now, I should uh, I should be upfront here. I have a, a little bit of an extra dislike for it because uh, for Fallout seventy six because it takes my home state some of the folklore about it and some of the stories and completely shits on them with an absolutely shitty game. But there are some people here that just cling to it because whoa, West Virginia country roads, woo, woo. But. It just seems like the only thing I'm looking forward to the Wastelanders update is just how fucking incompetent they're going to be with that one. Because they weren't even able to put in their shitty paid subscription model. They weren't able to implement that without completely breaking the game and actively hurting the people that were buying into this $100 a year subscription. To pay to play for the uh, extra benefits that they asked for and this steaming pile of shit of a game. What the fuck, Bethesda? The, 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 the Wastelanders update, I'll be shocked if it's not a complete disaster. Yeah, all anybody wanted out of a Fallout online game, it would be, it was co-op. co-op. Fallout. And it, yes, not to say that there weren't people who wouldn't have appreciated PvP, but they are a huge minority in terms of players. Yeah, I would say the Venn diagram uh, of the people that wanted co op in Fallout, you know, fair uh, overlap. People that went full on PvP shooter in Fallout with how Bethesda handles shooters, very, very narrow, I would think. Yeah. Because that's the thing I don't understand, okay? The gunplay in Fallout, or at least I should preface this in, I haven't played Fallout 4. I have no interest in Fallout 4. Uh, what they had in Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas, with a lot of very small enemies randomly moving around to kind of make you lean on vats every so often uh that that didn't scream to me you know this this would be really good if i had someone screaming uh obscenities and uh, racist tirades into the microphone uh, right now uh while i try to shoot this uh, uh npc the combat in fallout 4 is better than fallout 3 that, that well fallout 3 in new vegas the uh, the way that it handles just straight up like the first person combat. You yeah, don't but have then to they dialed back every, much. 
Yeah, but then they dial back all the RPG elements. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to rely on VATS. Uh, you can still use it. It can certainly be helpful. But, I mean, I've played Fallout 4 quite a bit, and the amount I use VATS in Fallout 4 compared to Fallout 3 or Fallout New Vegas is maybe 10% of that total, you know, in comparison. Um, but it's not great. And then when you introduce the lag and other issues that comes up with, with it being an online game, Don't you know, forget then the it, it falls apart again. And then the hackers, let's be honest, right? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, getting back all the way around to the actual story. So they were surprised how few wanted to take part in PvP. Well, here's the thing about Beth- uh, Bethesda's uh, piece of shit PvP. They actively went out of their way to discourage PvP in a survival game. They actively said that if you did not want to take part in PvP, you don't have to. And made it very difficult for PvPers to actually do so, to you know, attack other players without mutual consent, without you know, all the random hacking and stuff going on. So the fact that Bethesda surprised that there more people didn't want to take part in PvP when one they made it difficult for PvPers to actually be able to play the game, so they went off to other games. Two, they made the game so fucking imbalanced. Three, they have had countless hacking problems and countless exploits going on to in the game that I can't even keep a, a running list. If they're surprised that people didn't want to take part in their crappy battle royale cash grab mode, really? Either somebody has a very high opinion of themselves and were shooting for the moon thinking oh we'll, we'll, we'll put in battle royale and be done with it or right yeah I mean, I'm not sure if this is just a battle royale or just PvP in general because it does seem like it's kind of combining the two as well but oh, oh Bethesda yeah <sighs> the specific quote that I, I, I want to leave with this is that um, in this article, going through, talking about stuff, then there's a big a big quote from Pete Hines. Um, and I'm going to jump in on the middle of it. So he says, For example, I think we were a little surprised how few people wanted to take part in PvP and how many more were interested in just PvE together, as opposed to, I want to test my metal against you and let's get into a duel. There's some folks who do, don't get me wrong, but I think it's a much smaller percentage of our player base than what we thought. Well, and I, whenever... I, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I just can't fathom... I mean, I, I get it. They didn't care. They didn't listen to their audience. They were just trying to make money using the Fallout property. But they just they didn't consider that the majority of their audience didn't want that. If you're going to do multiplayer Fallout or multiplayer Elder Scrolls, people just want to hang out together do questing together and explore the world together well, for well, the not, most part. Well, it's not even just that. It's the fact that PvP from everything that I've read in Fallout 76 is essentially pointless because you just lose junk. You don't lose your gear. Uh, you respawn nearby, so you, know, you don't really lose time. And you're able to run away faster than so- 
uh, than somebody shooting actively shooting at you. So, of course, not a lot of people are going to take part in PvP because it's just at the end of the day, unless there's something I've missed or something that I've uh, not read, utterly and completely pointless. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, moving on to something that isn't pointless and something that's uh, actually kind of interesting. Indeed. GOG expands their refund policy to 30 days. Yeah, this was kind of out of nowhere. I mean, even the developers didn't get wind of this, which, okay, maybe that was a bad on GOG's part. Because maybe they should have talked about this to their developers. Or at least the big ones that are on their... uh, on their platform but this is really really consumer friendly and it's hard to really find fault in this unless you're looking at it in a very yeah developer focused publisher focused uh, way so they expanded their refund policy to 30 days including if you download the game if you played the game if you uh yeah pretty much as far as i could tell no play limit like steam has where if you played it for two hours uh you're no longer eligible for at least an automated refund you some can sometimes get a uh escalation on your ticket and get a refund even beyond that but it's not it's the exception not the rule this it's pretty much 30 days and you're uh good to go uh it's not automated you still have to go through the support and they are putting in a case-by-case business and reserving the right to refuse individual cases. But they're also asking, please respect uh, this and don't abuse it. It's interesting. It's uh, and very pro-consumer. It's hard to, like I said, you know, feel bad about this. And I think the people that are on GOG are going to be the type that are less likely to... Uh, really abuse this type of system where most things on there are drm free already it's very easy to say yeah yeah this is mine now yeah they um we went and we looked um and i didn't think to pull it up essentially they did say that there's no limits as long as it's within 30 days case by case basis um they don't want you to abuse it and they reserve the right to Refuse you refunds if you've had, if it appears as if you're attempting to abuse the system. But otherwise, I mean, this is by far the most consumer-friendly digital refund policy in existence. Like, it blows everything else out of the water that does exist, especially... And the thing is, is that because it's based purely on date since purchase, like any other product that you can buy as long as you don't like with a physical product as long as you don't like destroy it or something like you can return it and sometimes depending on what the product is even if it gets damaged you can still return it um within it varies by area but in most places in the united states at least it's within 90 days with a receipt um you know as long as you do it within that time frame you can get your money back and it's the same thing here except it's a digital good so you can't lose it you can't destroy it i mean it can be broken but 
not by you. Even if you're modding something and you mess it up, worse comes to worse, you uninstall and reinstall sort of a blank slate. So just a flat out, like you can get a refund for this digital item is great. And there might, there could be, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere like Australia or uh, somewhere in the EU has this type of policy forced by the government um, or some other type of governing body. But we live in America where the, there's no such thing as pro-consumer business policies. <laughs> uh, so this is well, like... Consumers wow. don't have a lobbyist. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy, that, I just made you sad, Dan. Yeah, I'm already sad. It's Super Tuesday. Yeah. Um, But it is nice to see GOG doing that. I don't want this. To, I I don't. I I'm the cynic in me says that they're doing this because of the recent, as in like the last couple of months, publicity they've had for how much crunch time they make their devs do um, on their major releases, like The Witcher. Um, because you know GOG is owned by CD Projekt Red. Well, CD Projekt uh, uh, CD Projekt Red is their developer branch. Right, you're right. My apologies. I tend to kind of lump that together into one thing when I when I talk about it. But you're right; they are separate. Um, But they're all under the same umbrella, we'll say. And so this, you know, the cynic in me says this is just good good publicity. But even if that's the case, I mean, I'm not going to complain about the good that they do. Um, I'm also not going to ignore any potential future bad. But it's nice to see this. I, I don't expect anybody to, but I hope other uh, big distributors follow suit in some way. But we shall see. Well, what's also nice is they're saying if uh, your area uh, provides additional rights, just let us know and we'll respect re- regional law. Hey, how about that? Oh, a I company, missed that. Yeah, it's uh, number eight. What if my country provides additional rights? Just let us know and we'll respect regional law to learn more about uh, to learn more, see section 7.1 and 7.2 of the GOG user agreement. Considering we've seen EA say, hey, contact your uh, local uh, uh, politicians in Belgium uh, to get uh, your leak boxes back. Yeah, kind of nice, huh? Yeah. But yeah, it's actually, t- there's not a lot to say here outside of way to go GOG because it's kind of feels odd doesn't to have a positive story to have uh you know it feels like there's really no strings attached there's you know no gotcha moment there's no bullshit it's just hey we're expending our uh, refund policy to 30 days now i will say that this may make some developers a little hesitant on going on gog but gog is already a drm free site so you know they're already risking uh, piracy because of it and GOG's uh, refund policy was already fairly decent. I think it was uh, similar to uh, Steam's uh, uh, policy of uh, two weeks. I think so, although I think they already didn't have yeah, they, they think, had a much much more uh, yeah. relaxed like playtime. Well, well, they with Steam it's two hours. I well, think they had Well, they didn't really have a way to monitor playtime. They have GOG Galaxy, but that's not a requirement to download things from GOG. 
Yeah. So they didn't really have a way to be able to tell. So it, I think they didn't have a playtime po- uh, requirement at all, if memory serves correctly. I, if I'm wrong on that, please forgive me on that one. But it's... Yeah. I, I do see the point that developers may be a little bit more hesitant, or I should say publishers may be a little bit more hesitant to use GOG. But the... But the people that are on there already it's yeah it's not exactly more than what they already offered now there there is the thing where they didn't let the publishers know ahead of time and the publishers found out the same time the public did okay that's a little shitty but that's really like yeah one little thing outside of a massive benefit for the consumer so it's hard to really feel bad about that one yeah i agree i agree wholeheartedly with that statement that you just made i think i mean just in big top-down view this is a good thing that i i hope more companies do I don't expect yeah. them to, yeah, especially in America. This, but I, have a, I have a feeling this would have had the Total Biscuit stamp of approval. I think so, too. So, moving on to something that would not have had the Total Biscuit stamp of approval. No, this would have uh, the Total Biscuit glare of uh, disdain. The Borderlands 2 update, which is advertising Borderlands 3, broke the game. Yep. Oh. Uh, if... If it isn't Bethesda or Ubisoft or EA being shit, it's Gearbox. So, yeah. So, they released an update February 27th uh, to Borderlands 2, essentially saying, Hey, uh, Vault Hunter, welcome to Borderlands 2. You may have noticed we've changed some things around here. Before we continue... uh, our adventure, let's quickly explain what's different. In order to create a more centralized multiplayer experience and and support play across multiple uh, PC platforms, matchmaking will now be powered by Shift. Please, you will need to create a Shift display name that will identify you in-game. And for quite a while, it was actually broken. I'm not sure if they actually fixed it yet. There's no update to this, but there's... uh, uh, some people that are saying that they were having trouble comp- uh, completing this action. There's some that are saying that the game is just unplayable because Shift isn't working. There's some uh, say there it, this update also broke all the mods and introduced intrusive Borderland 3's ads into the main menu. Uh, I mean, it's just oh, what the fuck, Gearbox, right? Yeah, they're shitty and they suck. I don't know. I mean, I do know why. Again, it's money. They want yeah. to try and get more money. Well, well, well they recently are coming up, or, or they're, I'm assuming they're planning on coming off their Borderlands uh, 3 exclusivity deal uh, and bring it to Steam before too long. So. Let's see. What, what pulls up when I search Borderlands 3? Uh, planned release date, March 13th. For yeah. Borderlands 3 on Steam. Oh, well, there you go, right? Yep. I had absolutely no care for it. It has... Uh, eh, right? I'm interested in playing it, but if it comes to, like, Game Pass, that's where I'll play it. Yeah. 
I don't think I'm going to buy it. If it comes uh, to a very, 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 very steep discount. Okay. But... uh, I think the problem with the Borderlands franchise, outside of the fact that uh, I got burnt out as fuck on Borderlands 2, was is just the fact that it feels very samey. It's the same... Oh, ha ha ha, here's the same... Uh, here's the internet memes that you've seen for the last few years. Uh, they throw in essentially the same characters. Uh, just, uh, yeah, pretty much generic stereotypes. Yeah, different versions uh, of the same trope. Yeah, they... Uh, throw in just bigger and bigger bullet sponges and at least as far as I've played if there's a boss battle it's going to be there's a very small weak spot and then it's just going to be bullet sponge the rest of the time and it just got old and I just have no interest in playing the third one I will say that the second one had one of the best DLCs I've ever played but to really make it make sense you have to slog through borderlands 2 which one the tiny tina one yeah the tiny tina one but in order for it to really make sense you need to play probably about two-thirds of the main game so yeah or read wikipedia yeah uh, read spoilers but then you're losing some of the impact or at least yeah. in my opinion uh, it's just uh... this is a really shitty story yeah. We should have probably rearranged these and ended with Chiochi. Oh well. Yeah. Well. Well, we had a nice creamy center of a, a gooey, uh, good story. Yeah. Yeah. It's just I, I I I really hate games that do this advertising of their sequels on uh, the previous games as already. Uh, especially whenever they update and then break things after the fact. Yeah. Fuck you, yeah, Gearbox. Yeah, it looks like Shift just wasn't working at all for quite a while. And the update break mods and uh, introduced the intrusive Borderlands 3 adds to the main menu. That's what really ticked off players. That's the thing that gets me the most, I think. What, the breaking of mods? No, the ads. Yeah. I mean, all of it sucks. I'm not saying that any of, any part of it's good, but the ads feel like the worst thing to me. It's like, fuck you. I know your other game exists. Yeah, there's some people that are saying that uh, there's uh, some just performance issues that they introduced. Like, well, they broke something behind the scenes and they have no idea what. Yeah. Uh, some people are claiming Mac, PC, plus Linux crossplay is broken after the latest patch. I mean, it's just, oh. Let's just put it this way. that. If you go to the Borderlands 2 Steam page, there's a massive downvote. <laughs> yeah. Which, that's really the only way to to get attention at times, is just, you know, just dogpile downvotes. Although it's still listed as mostly positive and overwhelmingly positive. Because uh, people uh, jumped on to try to counteract it. I mean, just look at this uptick on the votes there, huh? Yeah. Basically, people defend Borderlands to death because, you know, they find it fun. 
So that is it for that. Indeed. My I, brain had a split. It went like three directions at once and it just like was like, nah, fuck and, and you. None of, and none of them were funny. None of them were that. funny. And one of them was something you had already talked about. Oh, my poor, poor brain. Yeah, and I don't think we had a mail. I actually, I was running a little late, so I didn't check. Uh, no, we didn't. We didn't have any uh, tweets. So if you wish to contact us, vglpodcast at gmail.com with your, uh, well, with your comments, or you just tweet them at vglpodcast on the Twitter. So do you feel a doobly do? Uh, yeah, we can run through the queue. That doesn't take too much attention or energy most of the time. Yeah, so, or effort. So, uh, how about I got one immediately that will pique your interest and you didn't clear the list. Let me just make sure I copy oops. the list. Hang on. Uh, don't, mistake. Uh, don't uh, clear it just yet. Let me make sure I got it. Okay. Yeah, I got it. Okay. Alright, clear the list. Will do. And I got something that's more your speed. You know, I have no problem with this type of game it's, uh, either. So, waifu, or sorry, Oshi Rebu, waifus over husbandos. A Yuri visual novel uh, where a girl is chasing down a girl that she falls in love with. And uh, if the uh, Steam community uh, is uh, believed, some uh, rather hefty nudity as well. So there you go, right? I like hefty nudity. Uh, a series of misunderstandings leads to a proposal, and Rin or Reen uh, starts uh, to a full-on pursuit of Aku. One thing leads to another, and in order to bring her husband home, she ends up bringing Rin home. <laughs> and now they're sharing a house and a bed. Oh my! Right? Oh my! I actually don't know the length of this game. Uh, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's that long of a game, but, eh, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like a cutesy, uh, kind of funny, uh, little sexy uh, visual novel. Well, I got one that's also right up my alley. Max Gentleman Sexy Business. The premier Victorian business tycoon and dating simulator... Your family business has been stolen from you. Forge sexy partnerships in the sheets while crushing rival companies in the streets to become England's largest monopoly and reclaim your family honor. I'm in. I'm in for that. Okay, well, how about uh, some Kingdom Under Fire, the Crusaders, the cult heavy metal, or yeah, the cult heavy metal fantasy action strategy gym comes to PC in HD. All right. I mean, it is really over the top. It's a lot of uh, fun. It's sort of uh, a Dynasty Warriors-esque, only with a little bit more fantasy uh, uh, setting. So there you go, right? Indeed. I need to copy this. I've got my next one. Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Ooh, you got a good one. Yeah, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, I think, has been out for a while. Um, and I'm assuming this is part of Microsoft bringing uh, more games, ava- making them available on Steam. Um, but, I mean, Ori and the Will of the, Wisps, Will of the Wisps is the sequel to Ori and the Blind Forest, which is a 2D side-scrolling platformer game with a gorgeous art style. Um, I have played the first one. 
I have not played this one. Um, so, let's see. This says releasing March 11th, 2020, but I don't know if that's when it comes to Steam. Ori and the Will of the Wisps. I think that's a, the new one, so... No, you're right. Yep, you're right. This is the new one. Um, I've heard about this from a couple of years ago. Maybe it was like a demo or something like E3 that I'm just blanking like on the specific I think this. Uh, I think showing. it was only really or uh, really announced fairly recently. So uh, maybe you're uh, 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 or in the Blind Forest. Maybe. Maybe I'm thinking of like maybe there was a DLC or an expansion or something and another campaign mode that was that I'm thinking of. But yeah. Ori, it's very cute. It's a confident uh, side-scrolling platformer game. Not something that I'm typically super interested in, but the art style uh, and the theme um, I can go with. So, fun. So, I got another visual novel. Uh, Marco and the Galaxy Dragon. Marco, an orphan with missing memories. Arco, a dragon who rules the galaxy. We're hunting for treasure in space. Uh, it looks like it's a sequel to another visual novel that looks like it's fairly short. So overall, it's uh, not a huge investment in time. Fairly cheap on the visual novels front. So if you're looking for an interesting visual novel with uh, a dragon, because of course, uh, why not, right? Indeed. So I got One Punch Man, a hero nobody oh. knows. <laughs> That's an interesting one. Uh, I've uh, seen a bit about it. It's a, a fair, fairly typical uh, uh, anime uh, fighting game. Unless you put Saitaba on your team. It's uh, used the 313 tag mechanic. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, if you put Saitaba on your team... Uh, one Punch Man. Instead, you basically have to survive until he uh, gets there, and then you win. He one-hit KOs everyone. Which is a really neat mechanic I like, because um, it would feel weird if One Punch Man couldn't actually win in one punch. Well, well they do have a secondary version of... Uh, you remember the end of the first episode where he had the dream? Yeah. They have Dream Saitama, where he's actually balanced. Yeah, but I don't... As a as a player, I don't want that. I want way OP Saitama. So, um, I got a quick one. Mega Man Zero XZ uh, Legacy Collection. So, more Mega Man Retro coming to Steam. Looks like there's some issues with it. Uh... It looks like some of them are broken. If you go to uh, full screen resolution settings, it will brick your game, delete save. So this may be a more uh, just a warning and a void for now, but it's something to keep an eye out for if you're a Mega Man fan to check out later, perhaps. So you got one? Yep, Beautiful Desolation. This reminds me very much of Wasteland. It's a top-down, isometric CRPG uh, set in a uh, post-apocalyptic wasteland. Um, Feels very much like Wasteland or classic Fallout, uh, both in 
what how the screenshots make it look and just sort of the type of game that it is so that looks pretty cool Ooh, this would be one that's kind of up your alley iris and the giant iris the giant is a fusion ccg rpg roguelite you play as iris who must brave her fears in her imaginary world dive into melancholic and gripping adventures filled with cute monsters and buried memories ready to face your inner demons so sort of a tra- uh, travel of the mind perhaps with some mm-hmm. uh, CCG uh, tactical battles. Interesting, with some deck building as well. So sort of uh, Slay the Spire-esque, perhaps? Gotcha. Uh, damn, I just got one punch, man. He, it was late in my queue. I've gotten, I've gone through a couple and haven't really gotten anything noteworthy. Uh, I got another one. Uh, Beautiful Desolation. A 2D isometric adventure set in the distant future. Explore a post-apocalyptic uh, waste, uh, uh, landscape. Solve puzzles and meet friends and make powerful enemies. Uh, mediate conflicts and fight for your life as you unravel the secrets of the world around you. It feels like an updated sort of uh, old school fallout. Yeah, I, that was the one that I had... The last one that I mentioned was Beautiful Desolation. Oh, I, I didn't... Uh, just a blank on the name then sorry I'll take it's okay I'll take it off my queue uh, since you said wasteland I, I looked at this it's all fallout yeah um so I got one venture seas uh you'll know why I picked this so uh, when I read the first few words a kinky strategic adventure game where you can manage a fantasy trade ship and your rowdy crew experience a buoyant story supported by ambitious gameplay systems sexual content and expansive modding features well damn oh, uh, that's oh, there on. is there are tits in and dicks in the store page maybe I should remove that link I didn't look at all the pictures before I put the well, link. Well, tits and dicks on the same character. Indeed. I'm gonna... I'm gonna remove that. Not the name. I'll leave the name. I'll remove the link. Venture right. Seas. So really I, big tits. Yeah. And a big uh, dick. Yeah, just how do you have enough blood to uh, run both of those? Oh, uh, I still had copied yours, not mine. Invasion Machine. Uh, let me fix that. Evasion Machine. Modern Warfare RTS sandbox game inspired by the real conflicts in the Middle East. Fight a counterinsurgency war. Protect the civilian population. Uh, oh, I clicked. Uh, get your wounded out. Decide how uh, the world sees your struggle. And remember, no one gets left behind. Uh, so, a sort of a sandbox RTS interesting huh it's in early yeah. access so gotta take this with a bit of a grain of salt and there uh more of everything but the core gameplay will remain the same they're targeting quarter two to uh 2021 so long development cycle i would expect it to probably stretch it to 2022 because why the hell not at this point but uh, interesting premise and some uh, promise if it it handles well. This looks like the first game at least on Steam. So interesting. So I'm I'm of two minds about this. 
Um, I guess since I'm going to talk about it, I'll put it. Uh, Cuisine Royale. At first, I thought, oh, like a silly Battle Royale, like, food game. But no, it's just uh, what looks more like a PUBG Yeah, this was given away ages ago when I got a hold of it. I never really played it. But yeah, it's pretty much just a PUBG clone, at least or at least it used to be. Uh, yeah. They've added a hell of a lot of DLC, though. But I mean, it seems like it would be fun, like, do like a silly food-themed battle royale. Like, I could get behind that, you know? But it's just PUBG. But with a little bit, uh, a few characters that have silly models or partial oh, nudity. And a hell of a lot of DLC. Yeah. So. So, Cuisine Royale is the last one on my queue. Yeah, I got a couple more. I got Heaven's Dust, or Heaven Dust. When you awake, you find yourself in a mansion where, uh, the where was the secret uh, research center? Now is a maze full of horrible zombies and deadly traps. So survival horror. I mean, there has uh, some Chinese kanji in the title, so. Uh, there's a little bit of English, but not much. At least, uh, you know, uh, it's enough to at least understand what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. Could, but could be interesting. Uh, let's see. Uh, that was one that you talked about last week, so I'll skip that. And, huh. Ah, uh, what the hell. So this is interesting looking. This is a early access game. Blackthorn Arena. At first I thought it was kind of a generic just arena you know, uh, fighter. But it's a strategy management sim with real-time combat on top of it set in a fantasy world. So you're also managing your gladiators and have some sort of uh, uh, sim elements under it as well. Trying to build a uh, sort of a gladia, mm-hmm. uh, the the, uh, the uh, Roman uh, gladiatorial uh, manager. What was it? A couple of years ago now. Um... Domicia or something. Oh, I'm blanking on it. I don't have Steam loaded right now. I don't. I'm, I'm drawing a blank as well. But you know what I'm talking about. It was the uh, low poly, uh, you know, for a bit uh, where you were building up your uh, uh, gladiatorial uh, uh, regiment, essentially. Yeah, I remember that game. Yeah. This feels a bit like that. Only 3D in a fancy world, but also it looks like they have some more deep management going on as well, but you're also able to more easily take uh, direct control of combat, which could be positive or negative depending on just how much uh, are you basically able to get past the manager or, or the requirement to build up stats. Uh, they are expecting it to be a short early access. The game is almost complete. The rest of the work will be improving gameplay and a few uh, contents uh, while they debug and balance it. So, they're planning on uh, doing all the way up to 4K resolutions. Interesting. 
It looks interesting. Yeah, I yeah, would. Uh, yeah, be like I said, I barely uh, clicked off of it, and then I took a closer look at it. Kind of interesting. So that was my cue, and that is me done. Sweet. So, well, with yeah. you done and me done, the rage. Why don't you uh, hit him with those socials? Oh, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me over on the YouTubes, maybe someday again. Game me with Caffeine Rage. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter, Game me with CR, or you can be my friend on Steam. The Caffeine Rage over there as well. And you've been? Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on the YouTubes by searching for Gaming Psychologist on Twitter at JMA4707 or on Steam by sending a friend request to JArthur4707. And if you wish to know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Sleepy Boy. Sleepy yeah. Boy. I couldn't think of a good one for this week, and I didn't want to just grab a random one. But that Plus, perfectly describes me right now. Sleepy yep. Boy. Yep, Sleepy Boy. So I guess that means I should rush through the rest of this? You can. I also am just sitting here waiting, so... Yeah, well, I kind of means that I probably should rush, doesn't it? Also, what the hell is going on on Discord right now? Oh, it's not our Discord. It's a different one. Uh, once again, you can contact us, VGLpodcast at gmail.com with your lawyers, voicemails, game-related topics, or just tweet to us, VGLpodcast, on the Twitter. Our lovely, lovely patrons are to blame for this absolute madness. You can find out more at patreon.com slash VGLpodcast. And if you wish to find the RSS feed, the show notes, or links to all our stuff, you can find us vglpodcast.podbean.com or on or, or on your podcatcher of choice if you wish to use them. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod, and our uh, Discovery Cube music is doubly due by the same artist. You can find his work over at incomputech.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See you next time. Bye-bye.